Well, as Evan already let out of the bag, we're beginning today a new series, it's not a secret, a new series on the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is found in Matthew's chapter 5, 6, and 7, and so we're going to be preaching through those chapters over the coming months, and we're going to take our time through there, because there's, there's probably no speech or no sermon in the history of the world that has been uh, more studied, more scrutinized, more discussed than the Sermon on the Mount. It's the most influential teaching in the world's largest religion. So that's why we're gonna take our time working through it over the next few months. Um, we're gonna, what we're gonna try to do today is we're gonna try to lay a foundation about what the context, what's going on when Jesus sits down on the mountain in order to, to preach this sermon. Uh, what's the big picture? What's the context that's going on here when he get, delivers the sermon? What is the sermon about? What's Jesus' purpose in giving the sermon? And, and more than that, I think, what does it tell us about Jesus himself? Uh, um, the, the past two weeks, we have focused on what it means to cry out to God for a, a visitation or an outpouring of his spirit. Uh, and, and that's not an extra kind of prayer. It's not like something like, like it's just nice to like, we're, we have to live a normal Christian life and maybe we'll pray for God to pour out his spirit upon us. But what we're gonna see over the next coming weeks and months is that we're gonna see that that prayer, that God would visit us and pour out his spirit upon us is the very heart of the mission that Jesus came to fulfill. In fact, it's the first request that he told us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, which is actually a part of this sermon. If you remember, he said in Matthew 6, verse 10, after he says, uh, hallowed be thy name, then he says, your, pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is the very core of what it means to be a believer. It's what we're praying that God would do in our midst, in, our, in this city, in this county, in our country. We're praying that he would come and pour out his spirit and that he would make, cause his kingdom to come, his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the, the message that we're seeing today and that we're gonna be rolling out over the coming weeks is that when Jesus came, he said that's exactly what he was doing. Whenever he showed up, he said, my kingdom is at hand and the message of Christ since then and the message of his people is his kingdom is here and is, is coming, has come, is here and is coming in the future. And that is really good news. Uh, in fact, we see that Jesus proclaimed the good news of his kingdom. That was the message of the Sermon on the Mount. It starts off in Matthew before we kind of get a little bit of context of what's going on when Jesus sits down to give this message, this sermon. Matthew has told us about Jesus' birth. He's told us about how John the Baptist appeared to prepare the way before Jesus. And then we, he's told us how Jesus was baptized by John. If you guys remember that or if you're unfamiliar, Matthew 3, verses 16 and 17, when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So that is who we are dealing with as we deal with this sermon. The person who is delivering the sermon is not just a philosopher, he's not just a good teacher, he's not just a good guy. He is the son of God in whom the father was well pleased to reveal himself to us, to humanity. And then after he was baptized, he went out into the wilderness and he was tempted. 
He fasted and didn't eat or drink for 40 days. And the devil, it tells us in Matthew 4, led him and was tempted him in the wilderness in the middle of that time. And then after he was tempted and he denied the devil, he turned away from him, Jesus began his public ministry. And that's where our text and that's where the sermon really kicks in. Now, this is what Jesus' ministry, this is what his life looked like. He was an itinerant preacher. So that means that he traveled around the villages and the towns and the cities in the area of Galilee. And he went about preaching and teaching. He went about teaching the synagogues and preaching to the crowds. And he also, this passage tells us, he went about healing the sick and the afflicted. And what we believe the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five, six, and seven is, it's the, the contents of a particular sermon that he gave. But we also believe it's the contents of the, of the sermons that he was giving all through the whole area as he was traveling from village to village and town to town. And this is a, an abridged version, the Sermon on the Mount is a abridged version of the sermons we believe that he was giving as he traveled around all the villages and the cities in Galilee. And this was his message. It tells us, it kind of sums up, if the Sermon on the Mount is sort of a summation of the sermons that Jesus was giving as he was traveling around these villages and towns, we're given two places right before the sermon, a very short, succinct declaration of what Jesus was proclaiming. Matthew chapter four, verse 17. If you have your Bible, you can look there. From that time, that's when Jesus began his public ministry, he began to preach saying, this is the message that he was giving, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then in verse 23, it tells us, and he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. You hear that? He went about in verse 17 saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then in verse 23, it tells us that the message he was proclaiming was he was proclaiming the gospel. That means good news, by the way, the good news or the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Jesus' great message when he appeared on the earth and he was born of the Virgin Mary, he grew up, he was baptized by John, he denied Satan in the temptation, and now he enters his ministry, and the message that he proclaims is God's kingdom is dawning. What he's saying is God's kingdom, God's kingdom, the kingdom of God is breaking into the earth through Jesus. So that leaves us asking, what is the kingdom of God? Well, sort of a, a, a simple kind of summation is the kingdom of God is life, under the rule and reign of God. This is a, maybe a bit oversimplified, but it's a simplified little explanation of what the kingdom is. What is the kingdom of God? When Jesus comes and he proclaims that the, the king, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and he's going about through all these villages and towns saying, proclaiming that the gospel of the kingdom. What is he saying? He's saying that the, that the life under the rule and reign of God as breaking back in under Jesus. Jonathan Pennington, who wrote a book about the Sermon on the Mount, said this. He said that Jesus was declaring a vision for the kingdom community that Christ is establishing in and through his people. That what Jesus was proclaiming is he's coming and saying, dawning through me, breaking into this world of darkness, this world of brokenness through me is the kingdom of God showing you what life looks like under the rule and reign of our good father, God. What does life look like? What is it supposed to look like under the rule and reign of our creator? 
And how was that good news? How was, how was the news that, Jesus, that the kingdom of heaven was breaking in through Jesus, how would that be good news? Well, it was good news because Jesus coming as a man meant that God hadn't given up on us. I want you to hear that this morning. Jesus coming, the, the son of God coming as a man, being born into that little baby and growing up and living a life through the mundane of being a peasant young man in Galilee. That, that man, that God man, as he stands and proclaims that the kingdom of heaven is breaking in, the, the good news is that God hadn't given up on us yet and what that means is that God hasn't given up on you. You and all of your brokenness, you and all of your hurt, you and all of your pain, some of it self-inflicted, some of it things that people have done to you, you and all of your willful sin and all of your rebellion, the news of Jesus coming into the earth and proclaiming that the gospel of God is dawning through him is good news to you and in me that he hasn't given up on you, that he hasn't, isn't leaving you where you are. That he isn't leaving us where we are, separated from him, and we deserved to be continually separated. And yet his coming says, I haven't, give up, haven't given up on you. It meant that his disposition towards us is that of love and grace. Jesus was saying that he's, his coming was a mission, and it was a mission of redemption. That, that's what he came to do. He came to redeem that which was lost, to, to rescue that was lost, and to redeem and reconcile and fix and complete that which is broken. Jesus proclaiming that the kingdom is breaking in, on the, in the, to this world through him is good news or is gospel because this world has been in rebellion against its creator. Mankind has been in rebellion against God and that creates brokenness. When we are separated from God, it creates brokenness. We live broken lives and we, and we live in broken systems. And the gospel of the good news that the kingdom of God is breaking in through Jesus is good news because it's saying that we can be brought back into union or communion or right relationship with God through Jesus. It was gospel or good news because it means that we can be reunited with the rule and power of God. It's good news that we can be brought back under God's rule because that promises an end of all evil. Evil is in a rebellion against God. There's nothing good that can operate underneath rebellion, but him coming back and saying the kingdom, hear that, the kingdom, the rule, my rule is breaking back into this, this world, promises the end of all evil, and that's good news because creation wasn't made to be under its own rule. You were not made to be under your own rule. That's why you keep messing your life up over and over again. That's why we keep making terrible choices, why you can't seem to get out of your own way. Because you and I are broken, left in ourselves, we are made to find rest only and completely in God. We weren't made to rule our lives and that's why we're terrible at it. We're not made to rule creation, we're not made to rule other men on our own and that's why we're terrible at it. That's why every government, no matter how good it is, is broken in itself. No matter how, no, what economic system you have, no matter how good it may be, is broken. No matter, no matter every single relationship, every single marriage, every single family is broken. We aren't made to rule ourselves. 
The kingdom, God's kingdom, God's rule breaking into the earth through Jesus is good news because it means that God's rule is being reestablished and it also means God's power is being shown. And that promises for us the end of all our tiresome striving because we weren't made to live under our own power. Do you ever feel just exhausted with trying to prove yourself? It might be proving yourself to yourself or to your parents or to your friends or neighbors, but isn't it exhausting trying to prove that you are good enough and right enough? There are so many people who are incredibly successful in so many areas, incredibly wealthy, and yet you, you might have met them. That promises no amount of happiness. Why? Why do they strive so hard? Because they're probably trying to prove to themselves or their family or somebody that they are good enough. But we weren't made to live, or, to live under our own power. And that's why the good news that the rule and reign and power of God has broken into creation through Jesus is such good news. And inherent in that we see is that Jesus' gospel or his good news contains, the gospel of the kingdom contains a call to follow him. Did you see that? Verses 17 through 22 of Matthew 4. From that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. He called them. And immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. The good news that the the kingdom of God is breaking into this world through Jesus it contains within itself a call to follow. It's both an invitation and a command that we see Jesus put out to these men by the sea. Did you see that? He calls them. They, they could have chosen right at the moment to, to not follow him. They had important things going on. They were trying to make a living for their family. James and John were working with their dad. And Jesus called them and the call is both an invitation but it also inherent in the invitation is a command. Come, follow me. The the news, the good news that God's kingdom is breaking into the world through Jesus all of a sudden creates a separation. It creates those who are under the rule and reign of Christ and those who are not. Those who who are willing to turn away and to repent from rebellion against God and come under the the rightful rule and reign of Jesus Christ over their lives and those who don't. God's gracious call to us creates a separation between those who are willing to leave all and follow him because they they see and recognize that he is the pearl of great price and he is worth everything and those who don't. See, the call to Jesus is a call to repent. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's providing us a way back under the rule of God, back into right relationship with him, but our disregarding of God has, been, has broken the way that we 
think about and feel about everything and everyone around us. And we all, every single human being needs a change of heart, a a change of mind, a, a total transformation from those who are outside or trying to run away from the right rule and reign of God through Christ and those who see in him the answer for all of their, the longings of their soul and have given up everything in order to follow him. You see, the call to follow him, the announcement that he has come, that Jesus has come, the rightful rule, the rightful king of creation has broken in back to the world and he is spreading his rule and reign across the world, that he is redeeming mankind, that he's redeeming the world is also a call for us to, trans, to be transformed. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's like learning to walk again after being paralyzed. Like we, it's what we were made for. We were made to, rule, to live under the rule and reign of God to find all our happiness and strength and the power that we need for life in him and in him alone. But we are out here, the the picture that scripture paints is looking and seeking for water in broken and empty cisterns and empty wells. And what it means to repent, it means, not just mean that, hey, go clean yourself up, go turn away from all your bad things and then come to me. It's just saying, come to me. It involves a turning away from, but it's more a turning away to. And it's not turning away towards a code of conduct. It's not turning away towards reading your Bible or going to church so that you can feel like you are under right relationship. It is simply turning back to Christ and accepting his gracious offer into his kingdom through his broken body and his shed blood alone. What we see is that Jesus didn't just talk. He didn't just teach and preach. He didn't just go around the countryside talking about the kingdom, talking about what it, that he was bringing in a picture of what it looks like to live under the rule and reign of God. He did things. Look at verse 23 through 25. And he, that's Jesus, went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the kingdom of God and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought him all the sick. Listen to how people responded to Jesus. They brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. Verse 25, and great crowds followed him from Galilee, And the Decapolis, that's the area right beside it. And from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. I think if you've been around Christianity for a while, then we kind of take it for granted that Jesus showed up. And maybe you thought about like, what did Jesus do? Okay, well, he he taught and he he preached and he healed people and he did some miracles. We just kind of take it for granted that that's what Jesus did before he, in his life, and his ministry, leading up to the cross and the, his death and resurrection. But, but do you ever stop and think like, why did he heal people? Why did Jesus go about, why does, it, why does Matthew make a point and all the other people who record his life, why did they make a point of saying, look, look at verse 23, he, proclaiming, he proclaimed the kingdom, 
the gospel or the good news of the kingdom and he healed every disease and every affliction among the people. He puts those together. Why did Jesus heal people? Well, a couple commentators call this, and I like this wording, they call these things kingdom blessings. In other words, Jesus not only proclaiming and telling us about the kingdom, he is showcasing, he is showing off what union with God through Jesus does. And that means, that is, it brings wholeness. Union with God through Jesus brings wholeness. Think of this. If Jesus was just showing off his power and just kind of declaring, hey, Pay attention to me because I'm the son of God. So I'm gonna do these like powerful tricks in order to convince you to listen to what I'm saying. Because that's what some people think that Jesus' miracles and healings were. It was just him getting our attention saying, listen to what I'm saying. These are some things, amazing things that I'm doing so you will pay attention and to listen to what I'm saying. But if, if that's all Jesus was doing, he could have done any number of things. He could have called lightning bolts out of the sky. He could have called storms to come up and to immediately go away. Because we know he could do that because we see him do that on the sea. He immediately said, peace be still, and the wind and the waves and the storm stopped. He could have done anything he wanted to do if he just wanted to show off his power and get us to pay attention to him. He could have caused buildings and mountains to levitate in order to get people to give him attention if that's what, what he was trying to do. We know he could do that because he said, if you had the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be cast into the sea and it will be done for you. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I could do that. Well, of course he could. He's the creator of heaven and earth. But if he wanted to get our attention, to get the people's attention that are around him, that's all he wanted to do, he could have done any of those things. He could have caused himself to levitate. He could have caused himself to glow and and this world to spin. He could have done anything he wanted to do. But he didn't do cool tricks. Instead, he used his power to do good. And that's the phrase that is used when, it, when in Acts it describes what Jesus did. It says that Jesus went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed. Jesus used his power to heal brokenness. He declared the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The, 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 he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom is here. And he did things that brought wholeness to brokenness. Jesus tells us he healed the sick. He, he cured the demonically oppressed. It specifically says that. Those who were oppressed by the devil, by demons, he cured them. He cast demons out. We see that over and over again in his ministry. He's showcasing not only his power over evil, but he is delivering the people who are around him from the control of Satan himself. It says that specifically here that he healed those who were having seizures, well, we believe that wording there, it was used at this time to, to deal with like people who had mental health issues, people who were dealing with insanity or the irrational behavior that people couldn't explain. And it says that people brought those who were dealing with those issues to him and he healed them, he delivered them. It says specifically that they brought the paralyzed to them and he healed them. That means that those who were, for, and for them, even our, us today, it was those who were impossible to help. The incurable. Can you imagine being paralyzed in these days and this time under these conditions that they had? It is 
obviously a terrible thing at any time, but in this day and age, you were, you were, you were in such the bottom of society and culture and nobody could do anything to help you. And Jesus showed up and he didn't just do magic power tricks. He healed the sick. He cast demons out of those who were oppressed. He healed those who were having seizures or mental health issues or irrational behavior. And he healed the paralyzed. D.A. Carson said, therefore, Jesus' miracles dealing with every kind of ailment not only herald the kingdom, but show that God has pledged himself. Hear that. God has pledged himself to deal with sin at a basic level. Jesus brings wholeness to people. He meets both spiritual and physical needs. That's what Jesus did, and it's what Jesus does He doesn't just deal with our spiritual needs. He deals with our spiritual, emotional, physical needs. The whole person to bring wholeness to the whole person. And when he did so, whenever he brought that that wholeness into both spiritual and physical needs, it did two things. One, it cared for the needs, both big and small in front of them. And it showed what he does with that which is broken. And that is he brings wholeness and healing. And this is what the kingdom looks like. This is what it looks like to live under the rule and reign of Jesus. It's not only that I bow my will to him. Yes, I absolutely do. It's not just turning away from sin and rebellion against him back to him. Yes, but it is in in doing so, I experience the blessings of living under the rule and reign of our good and all-powerful King Jesus. This is what the kingdom looks like. And doesn't, I don't know if if it hit you as well, but as I was reading this passage and studying it this week, isn't that a lot like what it looked like in the passages in Acts that we looked at the past two weeks? Now the full number, Acts 4, 32 to 37, now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of these things, that the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. I, could read, I just love reading that. Doesn't your heart cry out for that? God, do that in our midst. There was not a needy person among them for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to each as any had need. Verse 12 of Acts 5, now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that even they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. This is what it means. It means the church is the people or the place where the kingdom of God is to be showcased. The people who have been brought into communion with God the Father through Jesus should be experiencing and showcasing what it means to live in wholeness under the rule and reign of King Jesus. The church is the outpost or the embassy of the kingdom of God. It's where King Jesus rules and reigns now and here as he is to come across the whole world and the universe. And where Jesus is, there's wholeness. 
And that should be the same for the church. And what I'm not saying is like, you should guys should go out and you should be doing more and you should be doing more things. What we should be focusing on is that's what Jesus does whenever he is in our midst. He brings wholeness. So what that means is that our mindset as Christians should be, the, should be an abiding and growing hope. An abiding and growing hope. An abiding hope for tomorrow. God, let more of your kingdom, God, may your kingdom come, your will be done today, tomorrow. God, let more of your kingdom break in into my life, into my thinking, into my emotions. Like, may more and more of your kingdom break into the way I interact with the people around me. May more and more of your kingdom come as people see the rule and reign of Jesus Christ in my life and they are attracted and want to bring, or want to bring themselves to that. May more, more and more of your kingdom come as we reach out, whether physically or spiritually, caring for those who are broken and separated, who are those who are unwhole and need help, those who are afflicted. And hope for eternity, for the sure fullness to come. Because we know, we know that while this is the kingdom that we belong to, it's not all here now yet, right? The kingdom is both now and not yet. But I think too often, so many of us as modern Christians, we put the not yet out there. The kingdom is not yet. One day, Jesus will return and he'll make all things new. He'll make all things right. He'll wipe away every tear from our eye if we can just make it there. But we don't exhibit and experience the kingdom of God, the good rule and reign of Christ in our lives today. We aren't are we experiencing the now of the now and not yet? That's what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God, in the church of Christ. Christian, this is the kingdom to which you belong. And the question is, two questions, is that your experience? And what kingdom do you live like you belong to? Because where Jesus is, again, he brings wholeness. He declares that his kingdom is at hand and he, does, he shows it by healing and doing miracles. He exerts his rule. He writes what is wrong. These are our kingdom blessings. No, the kingdom isn't fully here. The blessings haven't eclipsed the suffering yet, but they are dawning. They're showcasing who he is and what his reign is about. And it leaves me just personally asking the question, where are those signs now? Now you might say, hey, those miracles were of that day and age only. They were signs to declare that Jesus was the Messiah. And to that I reply, don't we still need those signs today? Don't we, don't the people around us, doesn't our community need to see what it looks like to live under the righteous rule and reign of our all-powerful and all-good and all-loving and gracious King Jesus? Don't we need people to see that he is the Messiah, the Savior and Lord of the world? Don't we need the world today of all days? Don't, doesn't the world today need to see the kingdom of God breaking in? And you know who it breaks in through now? When Jesus stood and said, it's breaking in through me. The kingdom is coming. It's at hand. We are now the body of Christ. It is and should be breaking into the world today through us, the church. 
And that's what we've been talking about the past few weeks and past few months, the presence and power of God among his people. Dear Lord, visit us, bring your rule and reign. Lord, show us your goodness. Lord, show us your power. Show us your kingdom breaking in into us and through us and around us. God, show us Jesus. Show the world Jesus through us. Make him real to us in our community. Show off the benefits and the blessings of your kingdom to us and to the people around us. That's what we're praying for. Look at the response, though, of the people who heard and saw Jesus whenever he was preaching and proclaiming the kingdom and showcasing his kingdom. You know what they did? Did you notice that? The response of the people around him and, and by the way, the response of the people in Acts 4 and 5 as well. They followed him. And the word they're following, it doesn't mean that they were all disciples. It just means that they were curious enough and interested enough to see what was going on in this kingdom breaking, this man that said that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. And they saw some crazy things happening. They saw some cool things happening that I don't even know if I believe this, but I'm going to bring the sick, my sick cousin to you. I don't know if I believe it, but I'm going to bring my, my child who's afflicted to you. I'm going to pray this is right. I'm going to pray there's something here but some devoted themselves to him. They left all, everything else, even their father, their livelihood, and they said, I'm coming after you because I see that that kingdom is breaking in through you and that is worth everything. They brought him their sick and their afflicted. They felt within Jesus, not only that he could do something, but he would do something for them. They saw his, not only his power, but his graciousness that was continually bringing them in. Have you ever noticed that the, the few times where we see that his interactions with somebody he heals, he doesn't first say, repent and go be healed. He heals them and then he says, no, now turn away and follow me. The good news of the kingdom is really the good news of the king. The news of the kingdom isn't about what we have done or about what we should be doing. The, the news of the kingdom is about who the true king is and about what kind of king he is. Jesus cares. Jesus reigns. Jesus is powerful. Jesus is virtuous. He is wise and he is gracious and he is loving. He is forgiving. He is welcoming to all those, especially those who recognize that they are sinners especially those who are afflicted, especially those who recognize I have wrecked my own self and my own life, but I will come. This wholeness that we're talking about is found in a person or rather in God himself. It's not a wholeness that Jesus brings or offers to us. It is wholeness of what it means to be united to him, to know him. He doesn't offer us rules or a pattern of life that produces wholeness. He tells us wholeness and healing is found in him. There's no kingdom without a king. There's no wholeness found apart from Jesus. And here's my and our biggest hope for this series is that here's what I want to happen. I want, we want you to fall freshly in love with this Jesus. And that can be an awkward thing to say for some of you because it can sound mushy or romantic, right? But I don't really know a better way to say it, really. It's the most needful thing for both me and for you. 
It's the best thing that can happen for you and for me. To see how beautiful and glorious Jesus is. The kingdom is beautiful and glorious only because the king is beautiful and glorious. To see how beautiful and glorious he is, to see how mighty and holy he is, and yet to see him, to see him, for you to see him breaking through your brokenness, to see him breaking through your brokenness to offer to you himself, to see him breaking through your hurt and your own self-erected brokenness, the things that you've done to yourself to come to you, breaking through that darkness, breaking through that brokenness, coming to you with his arms open wide, opening to you life back with him. So here's where we wanna start this series this morning. It's just to ask this morning, where you are today in your life, today where you are right now, where are you in the crowds that surround Jesus? Have you heard his call to follow him? Are you heeding his call to repent? Are you bringing your afflictions to him? Or are you kind of off hiding, afraid you're not worthy enough or good enough or looking elsewhere for help? Are, are you, have you seen, are you so enamored with Jesus? Do you realize personally and experience his rule and reign and his power and his goodness and his graciousness so much to you that you are bringing those who are sick and afflicted around you to him because you're confident that he will reach out to them and he will help them no matter who they are, where they are, what they have done, what they have been, anything. I'm going to pray for us this morning and what we're going to do is we're going to open this table to you. This table that represents the broken body, that's the bread, the wafer, and the shed blood of Jesus Christ on your behalf. And as you come, I want you to come, if you're a believer in Christ, I want you to come this morning and come with all of your brokenness, with all of your affliction. Remember that Jesus, was, his body was broken so you could be made whole and his blood was shed so that your sins would be remitted or washed away. So come this morning, don't clean yourself up before you come, but bring, bring your affliction to him and drink deeply and feast gloriously and joyfully with him. And on this Labor Day weekend, remember that he has labored for you so that you can rest in him. And I invite you, come find true rest in him this morning. If you're not a Christian, if you've never repented, you never left the kingdom of darkness for the kingdom of light today, make today the day that happens. Stay your seat. Don't partake of communion. Ask somebody to pray with you. Come to me. Say, would you please pray with me? I'm going to pray. There's going to be two stations. You can come as you see fit as we worship together. Father, we thank you that the good news of the kingdom of God breaking in into our own, into this dark world and to each of our own personal darkness is such amazing news to us. And God, we pray that as the church that we would receive and experience what it means to live under that rule and reign, to, to experience the wholeness that exists in life 
in your kingdom. And God, we pray that in us and through us that you would demonstrate your power and your glory, that you would reach out to those around us who are afflicted and who are hurting and that you would heal. God, stretch out your hand to heal and to bring wholeness to that which is broken and that which is afflicted. God, we pray that you would bless this communion time and this worship time, that you would glorify your son and would experience the joy that it is to have life in him. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.